0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I think this is episode 210, and I always say I think because I always could be wrong, um, but I'm really excited to have Noah Scala back on. Noah has been on before, and um, I'm super excited to have him on again. He's really, um, I think you kind of led the charge for me as when you did the 365 project, he did a skull a Day project, and we're going to dig into a creative sprint, which is his new book, and it's... You are supposed to write all in it, and I haven't started mine yet, um, but I have looked through it, and there are parts in here I really like, so we're going to talk about those, and um, so Mara says she loves that book, and Fabio's here, so we got Miami. Um, Oh, great. Mina's class is watching. All right, so we're recording, so I'm happy, and we're going to get started. So Noah, give us a little bit about your background and how creative challenges – Um, have changed your life?
1: Sure. Uh, Gee, how how far back do I go? Uh, (laughs) uh, So I'm the child of two artists. So I've always been an artist. Uh, My goal was to find a way to make a living being creative. Uh, When I went to college, I studied theater design. And then when I was graduating from college, I I realized I wanted to do graphic design. Uh, And that was... uh, Luckily, I'd been helping my dad teach it uh, since he'd been teaching for 35 years at Virginia Commonwealth University, so I had a little background in it, actually, uh, but I did jump right into it and did that uh, freelance for, I mean, sorry, sorry, worked full-time for other people for six years, freelancing the whole time, and then started my own business full-time in 2001. Uh, did that business for seven years before I got really burnt out and got stuck, and that's when the Scala day project came up. I, I just decided I needed to be making my own stuff stuff that I was passionate about, sort of rediscover my own creativity. That project led me to basically start thinking differently about how my creativity worked. I never really thought about how it worked. I just kind of did it and showed up and worked. And then suddenly when I was like, how do, how do, how do I do this? Uh, I, I paid attention. And so the great part was after I did Scala Day, I spent all this time thinking about it because people were asking me to talk about it and write books about it. And so that's when I really dove in and figured out some principles that were actually kind of surprising to me. And, and what's fun is a lot of my career now is spent talking and teaching other people uh, about talking to and teaching other people about their own creativity, how it works, um, where it comes from, and how to be creative when they're not, or how to reignite their creativity when it's their job. Uh, And so it really works across the board. And then what I've done is continued to practice this uh, set of skills by using this tool that my sister and I developed called the creative sprint, where we do 30 day creative practice rather than the full year, which is awesome and worth doing, but it's a marathon. It's really hard. It's a, it's, you know, I try to explain to people like, you should definitely do it, but it's also incredibly difficult. And you know, it's daunting uh, frankly, and it's worth it, but it's, it's hard. So the 30 the day prompt idea is like, We know that you can develop habits in 30 days, Mm -hmm. and we know that the good stuff happens after about eight to 10 days, so you really need people to try it long enough to get the benefits, because if you do it one day, two days, you're gonna be like, what is this? I'm wasting my time, or I'm not getting anything out of this, and so what happens when you really, you know, put it just into enough practice to see what what comes back to you?
0: Right, so the creative sprint in this uh, setting is, just to kind of reiterate, you have a difference between doing something on a daily basis it was all daily 365 or or creative sprint but it was just 30 days and so at first what i love is that you did not think you were like ah this isn't i've already done this i know how to do this i was committed and it did change so the 365 project which i thought we've already talked about this when we talked about your 365 book um years ago so people can go back and i will link those in the show notes so that people can um, go back and, and watch the old episodes as well, but the I, that was like a, a thing that you were like I've already done this yeah. because you did get actually new work from people who saw your how you solved a problem with Scylla Day, and so they wanted you to solve something for them like that. And so it's a it's a good instigator, but it also just reignited new ideas, new push through just the typical right? And you had to really work for some of the...
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole point of doing any of these daily practices and doing them for a quantity of time is that you run out of the obvious answers and the easy answers and the things you're comfortable doing. And you eventually end up doing stuff that you feel not so good about, uh, possibly, or you have insights that you wouldn't have encountered any other way. And it's certainly hard to do it in a work setting where you're You know, you you need to present the best work. You got to present great ideas and you you don't want to give them the sort of like, this is my weird thing, but you want to have time to do that. Because what Scala Day did for me, right, is built up a toolbox. I had 365 ideas and ways of solving problems that I could then apply to my work. And so, yeah, I mean, to your point, I didn't really feel like I needed to do a creative sprint when we first developed it. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's for everyone else. And when I did it, I was, I was shocked. I, frankly, I got more out of it. I learned new things. I made new work. I'm doing one. We're doing one right now uh, so that, you know, anybody who's interested with listening and wants to try it out for the rest of the month, creativesprint.co, you can sign up. Um, but, like... These prompt I don't I don't I try to make a point of not knowing what's coming because my sister sets them up So that I'm having the same experience of waking up and looking at the email and seeing and just so people know That's the, the process you get an email that says here's a thing to do today Get it done for them today the and share it with the hashtag creative sprint um, so today's was like work with um, elementary school materials it was suggested by uh, this guy Patrick Urich who done his own uh, project daily project and you know, I didn't know what to do with that. I had no idea, um, and it was great because I ended up coloring with crayons with my with my daughter. And my only my only thing about this time when I'm doing the creative sprint is I, I like to have some kind of theme. So my theme was like working in some way with my daughter. So every day mm-hmm. that's my goal, and then I get something out of it. And I, this month, especially, I've had so many times where I really could never have said I would make this by the end of the day. That I would made something completely out of my wheelhouse that I feel uncomfortable about i just put something up um it was a few days back and it was a uh, we were supposed to work with maps and i was like i right. don't i don't i had no good idea and i was and i pulled out a map started drawing on it um and i could probably do a, sh- a screen share if people want to see yeah that picture uh let's see it's
0: and so how one. old is your daughter
1: uh she's now four years old um, and we've been doing a random, here's, here's what the uh, map project I did was. So I literally, this is a big map of Idaho that I turned upside down and I started seeing a face in it. And so I drew just with pencil to sort of emphasize the outlines, but I didn't know what I was doing with that. And then I was like, oh, there's a kind of a collar and there's some kind of right. an ear shape and a hair shape. And this is the bottom of Idaho. That's why it's really squared off. But I I, I kind of finished it and thought it was terrible. <laughs> and I like threw it in the recycling bin and was like, well, at least it's done. And uh, I don't know how to get back to to us.
0: Oh, at the very top, it says stop screen share.
1: Ah, there it is. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I thought it was terrible. And then I posted it at the end of the day. And when I got back online the next morning, I had more likes and comments than anything I'd done all month. And I was like, There you go. Right. So, I mean, we just don't even know what we're capable of or what even people might like and what that does when you have that feedback, it changes your perspective. And maybe in college, you know, if you're studying design art, you might be getting some of that kind of feedback, but in the real world afterwards, it's not common. And there just isn't the environment for it. You don't really do that at work because it's just a different thing. And so having this little practice that brings this to you while you're uh, doing everything else in your life is it's valuable and I know it's the time issue is the hardest one And so we try to make it as easy as possible. That's what the book's about. That's what sending these emails are about It's like what's the what's the lowest bar we can set and I know and you were talking You know, I talked previously about being daunting to do it, right? It's daunting. I don't have time either I'm busy, but I actually do most of the ones I've been doing in like 10 20 minutes and I still get good results
0: and you're doing it and you're sharing it with your daughter. So that's kind of your theme this time. So it would yeah. be like, hey, I can't spend time with you today. Like <laughs> right. that would be yeah, terrible.
1: See, <laughs> my, 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 a lot of what we try to do with setting these up too is like, what is going to get you to do it, right? And for us, we know that if you share things publicly, you're more likely to continue because your friends are going to check in on you and say, hey, you didn't do it today. So what happened? And, right. you know, or being part of a community whether that's using a social media tool or something else, but that that is one of the motivators. And I'm always saying, what's the thing that's gonna get you to do the to, to the work that you're uncomfortable doing? What, what will get you to make a fool of yourself, to, to get outside of your comfort zone? Because that's what you have to, to find. And we're hoping we, we set that up here.
0: And then it's a comfortable place to be able to do those things. Yeah. I think that's the other kind of learning thing because you were even uncomfortable sharing the map. The map was great it it's a very broad prompt it's not like um it you know that's you imposing that you have to do it with your daughter but right nobody else is I mean there were actually lots of other people there were somebody that you had sent me that did um they were all cross-stitched every single one was cross-stitched which was it was um Emma somebody and it was amazing like it was a I C K L E underscore which I think is her. Actually,
1: I think it's Ring Cat who does those. Okay,
0: Ring Cat. You're yeah. right. I've posted so many. There's <laughs> a lot. Other I, know, people I appreciate you I'm looking trying...
1: through everybody. There's so many people participating right now. And honestly, even if folks don't want to participate, at the very least, take a look at what people are doing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any, any platform under the Creative Sprint hashtag it's inspiring. Like what I love is actually seeing how many ways people interpret it. Cause yeah, I have only got like, w- you know, a few solutions in my head and I'm like, I got to draw on a map. That's my only way to do it. And maybe two other people did that. And everybody else did a thing that I couldn't have imagined. And now I can't imagine cause I've seen them do it. Right. And right. it offers this opportunity to be like, wow, I'm thinking too narrowly about these prompts. Like there's so many other ways to approach these things. And yeah, I add one more, you know, thing that one more, parameter because what I like is to be limited enough that I have to move and if I'm if I feel like it's too loose I get too like I don't know I don't know what to make and and, you know that that's an important thing because we all get that blank sheet blank screen Mm -hmm. frozen moment of like well I gotta solve a problem I gotta do a thing but what's great is there's because this is other it doesn't have to be good Like this, frankly, like the point is, if this was your work, if we were like, well, you got to do this, but you got to be about your work, you'd be like, well, I really, this can be terrible and it's okay. Like, cause there's no penalty other than for me saying like, look, the more important thing is getting it done because when you get it done, then that's a step to the next thing. And I always look back and say, gee, that day I didn't like the only, the thing that's really important about the day is it got me to the next day Mm -hmm. when I made something I loved and I couldn't have gotten to that good day without going through that. There's no jumping ahead.
0: Well, it's, it, you know. it's being courageous, right? Of Putting yourself out there and then just like you were uncomfortable, you're like, this is crap. Nobody's going to like this. But it, but it is about solving it with a team. So when people do the book, the book is kind of alone. You could still do the creative sprint, hashtag it, and I would suggest probably doing that. Is there a special hashtag you would want us it,
1: to use? Just the same one creative sprint. I mean, so what's going on right now is there's the public one happening. But the right. thing about the book was – you know, obviously, we only run this a couple times a year, uh, and that doesn't work for everybody. There's not always time. So what we want to do really is say, hey, you know, do this when it's right for you. We know that everybody goes through their ups and downs. I did one for myself. There was there wasn't a public one running just one January a little while back when I was like, January is my slow time. It's I'm waiting for people to call. There's no work to do, and if I'm sitting around waiting for work. I feel terrible about myself and i feel like i'm not making progress whereas if i was making work because i set up this scenario every day i produce something that i could share and create engagement around and that actually led to opportunities so that january when i did it i was doing song lyrics and uh i don't know if i can pull that up quick enough but i'll i'll see if i can load it um but basically what i did was i made a, a little illustration each day around a song lyric and shared it publicly and partway in, kind of ran out of like steam around this very specific technique I was trying to practice that I actually ended up going, well, it's too much work. It's ton- And I'm busy again, because then what happened, of course, is life started up again. And I was like, I can't spend hours sketching and then translating to Illustrator and then you know, right. refining it. And so then I started doing just random stuff. And that led me to doing sticker art, which was the thing that, that led me to opportunities to show in galleries in Miami and to, to um, have portrait commissions and like tons of stuff came out of it. But when I did it, it, was it was a total, just a way to solve a problem one day for a personal project that had nothing to do with anything else.
0: But I think for me, a lot of it's getting over that being a perfectionist. And if you're work, 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 everything has to be so tight and you have to have a message and it has to be okay. And that's where some of the uncomfortable comes in because you're going to be pushing something out and it's representing you. But it's about exploring and playing and making and failing. And I think so it's about being courageous.
1: Yeah. But that's, but that's, it is hard. And, and I think it gets harder because on the one hand, like for technologically, I think it's gotten a lot easier. When I started Sculliday, it was a blog and right. basically no social media existed. And now, right, you've got all these ways of sharing, but... I, even I've watched my own Instagram feed do this, like, you know, it started off and I showed anything, but then as people start liking stuff, you start catering to an audience and then people are uncomfortable sharing the imperfect work and I am too, because I'm like, well, but I'm gonna lose followers and they're expecting <laughs> me to put skulls or portraits or whatever and now I'm putting weird pictures of my daughter But, you know, but in the end, like, what's the point, right? Am I Is the goal just to have a lot of people looking at my stuff or is it to get opportunities and the opportunities will come actually from these random things and not just because people just keep parting or liking or thumbing up your whatever, not, you know, your
0: ever stuff. But it's also, it's, that's exactly it. So you have to look at social media as growing. You can't just be stuck in the mire because otherwise you're going to get stuck in a design style or, um, a subject matter that will go out of uh, popularity, and so this is a way for you to stay fresh. Yeah. Even if it's not super uh, refined, I don't think that's the that's not the point of the creative sprint. So, just to get we get an email from Micah, right? Yeah. So Micah Scalen, you're not going to get it from Noah. Um, I just like to make sure that people are so you sign up at creativesprint yep. And then you get an email and if you sign up today, you would, they would just start you on day, um, 20,
1: yeah, 20 tomorrow.
0: And then you can just keep going for the rest of the 10 days in Mm -hmm. April. And then you could pick up. So one of the things about the book is that it's not just 30 days. Like that's like really big type if you're just doing 30 days. Right. (laughs) But, um, it's actually how many months is in here?
1: Yeah, so it's actually six 30-day sprints, so theoretically a half a year if you really wanted to do them back-to-back, which you can. I mean, the point of this is we're just trying to give you tools. Everything we're doing with this project is to give people tools, and I've I've encountered a few people who have been like, well, I'm part way in, and now I'm excited about something, and I want to do that instead of what you're saying. I'm like, well, do it. That was the point. Like, you know, (laughs) if, if it got you motivated and excited in creating work that you want to create, then you don't have to keep going like it doesn't doesn't matter like the point was this is for the folks and the folks being everyone that you know encounter a moment where you're like I just don't know anymore I don't know what I like or what's fun or you know I'm not I'm just it's not fresh like you're saying get stuck I was the skull guy forever and I loved it. I love skulls still, but I I do other things, and so I had to show people what I could do. And you know, those kind of projects allowed me to then be like, look what else I can do, look what other things. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you know, you can do portraits, you can do stickers, you can do whatever. And all of this just builds the opportunity and makes life more interesting and more connections happen, and more you know, tons of stuff comes out of it.
0: But you're also finding things that you're good at. You didn't necessarily um, now you're good at all these things, and you were always good at all these things. I think it you found some things that you really liked and you've put more time into those and dug deeper and now have gotten really good at those things as well. I think sometimes it's like, you have to listen to yourself about what you really liked about one of the things that you were drawing or yeah. one of the, one of the ideas.
1: Well, and that's why I think of, you know, creative sprint or any of these daily things as, as, as drafts or, you know, first drafts, it's like, it's practice, right? It really is practice. And so you don't expect like every time you sit on a piano to be playing the finished piece, right. But you do have to do it over and over. And so all of these to me are like, Hey, now I've done it once. And I, pretty much can guarantee if I do it again, I'll do it better. I've already did something, you know, I drew with crayons. And it's like, I bet I can draw with crayons better now that I know the, <laughs> the, the quality that, that comes with working with them. And so yeah, I wasn't good. At, I was good at some stuff. When I started my project, I developed lots of things that I'd never tried before. And then I was able to show them to clients. I, I remember one of the things I did was I played with flower petals one day. Mm-hmm. And by making a skull out of flower petals, I, I was able to show my clients what I could do and then I said, I bet I can make a portrait this way. And then I did. And then that led to a New York Times article being written about a poster for a play. Not even the play, but the poster because I designed, because of the art that I designed for it. And then that led to a commission to do art in that medium. So each time I did use the medium, I got better at it but each right. one offered me another opportunity to do it too. Like, and the first one had to be me just doing it because I needed an excuse to do a thing that day and me sharing it more importantly, right? So we, we say that the, the, the real you know, the three components of a creative sprint is that you have to make something and then you have to share it. And then our third piece is really you reflect on that experience so that you can benefit from it and then you, it's a loop and you keep doing it over and over because that's really where you're gonna benefit from it is the
0: practice piece. Right. So these are the book is um, it's blank pages with a prompt and then it has uh, maybe a tip or something on the side or um, take it like a quote from someone. But then you actually also have another um, element that I really like that you've actually featured people um, that have done it because you're taking some of the people who have done the sprint, um, you know, in past years, which probably had different prompts. um, But one, I liked this one a lot. This one, Julian Cook said, my creative muscles became much more toned because you're pushing, pushing yourself in a new way on a, another level. And it's because you didn't know about it. It helps you think faster, but at the same time, you're also able to, I do think that the community really helps because just like you said, you figured out how other people were solving the same Uh, prompt and you would have never thought it's just like being in class when you had 30 people doing the same project and yours was so different or theirs was so different. And now you have that um, inspiration, I guess, again.
1: Yeah. And I, and I will, what I love about Julian's um, quote there is something we often say about it, which is, you know, I, I go into situations frequently and people tell me that they don't have any creative bones in their body, which I really hate that phrase, because it's something that people have learned to say. And obviously, we're talking to creatives here, and we're creatives, but still like, that mindset about where creativity comes from is is wrong, right? Which is that it's just inherent in some people, which can make you feel bad if, you, if then you don't feel creative one day, because you're like, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I don't have this in me. And that's why we like the idea of muscles and talking about it as exercise, because then anybody can do it and anybody can get better at it. And so no matter where you are, if you're like, man, I just don't feel like I have this in me. Well, yeah, because it's not bones, it's muscles. So did you go to the gym? Did you you practice? No. I mean, of course, if you're sitting around being like, I feel miserable, like you don't suddenly not feel miserable. Like the way you not feel miserable is you make more stuff and you put more into the world and more things come back to you. But that's, you know, that's the real, like, surprise about it for people is that it's just about doing things and and not even necessarily good things and not even spending a long time doing them and that it doesn't matter because it adds up. Like you showed a book and how thick that book is, but we know it's made out of single sheets of paper and single sheets of paper are flimsy, right? It, those are little tiny things. So how does, there, how does a book exist without mm-hmm. just all those little things? And then it's a weighty object.
0: Right, for sure. All right, so... I have been asking everybody this question and it's kind of off uh, a little bit, but it helps. I think, Um, I think um, Brian White or Brian Yon, one of them came up with this question. And so I've always been asking it since they did it. What would you tell your younger self to do differently if you could go back in time and then how far back would you go?
1: (sighs) That's a tough one. So first of all, I love science fiction. So I do think about time travel frequently, but, but, you know, I think the fact is, is that like, we are the product of what we went through. And a lot of times, like as much as I'd be like, don't date that person (laughs) or whatever, you know, I would never be where I am if I had made any other choices, you know, and I, I'd be a different person. And, and so I I don't know that there's much I could have said to myself that wouldn't, I mean, it sounds like my, I've got some ideal life, which I don't. But it's always easier to look back and say, "Oh, here's this path I went on." And I was talking to recently. I did a uh, uh, what do you call it, where you, you know talking to people that were graduating from the School of the Arts here. Oh, and You know, so I gave a, a speech to them, and I was saying that like you know the thing is from where they're looking, it's all branching paths. It's like a tree. You're on the trunk, and you're looking at you know where are you going to go? Hmm. And only when you're at the at the end at the leaf, and you know maybe not even the end, but you know you're somewhere along that branch. You look back and you go, "Look, it's a straight line back to the tree. I can see that path." You know, and so I think, yeah, I know, I don't know. So it's a well, tough one for me to answer. You,
0: what do you think advice would you give your daughter then?
1: Yeah. I, well, here's the thing that's been interesting about watching my daughter, right? Is that I'm an artist. My parents are artists. Um, my wife is creative in other ways. She is around it all the time. And I've seen her embrace some things that were just terrifying to me because I thought, Well, to be different with her because she's not being ground down by the society, you know, in terms of like, she's a perfectionist already. Like, she doesn't like to draw very much because she can't get it right right away. Mm. And she's four. And I'm like, (laughs) of course you don't have draw, You've never drawn before. Like, why would you be? And she's like, well, I can't make a nose. You make it. I'm like, oh, no. How did I do this wrong already? And so I think, you know, part of it is like being a little like more kind uh, to, to that younger self like you know what like a lot of this is built in it's a lot of it's very hard to get over like you know she's observing the world around her and saying this is how I deal with it and and I think you know more than anything it's not about how she's behaving but it's how I'm behaving towards her and so that's why when I do the creative sprint with her what's important is I have to rethink every time I approach it it's really hard for me like doing it with her it looks lovely in the end, but but there's plenty of days where I'm pulling my hair because she just won't do what I want to do or the way I want to do it. The outcome I want, I pictured some beautiful solution and now she's just coloring on top. And so like learning to embrace like that randomness and showing her that it's okay so that I'm not setting her up for failure either. And being like, gee, you want to do it this way? Let's explore that. Or let's, or or, you know what, actually here's the, Parameters that you're good with, I'm going to let you do that, and then I'm out to do the piece that I feel like I want to do, and and sort of breaking it up. But just finding that that's a a great learning for me. Um, So again, I haven't answered your question really because I just it's very hard for me to be like you know I'm teaching what I'm teaching her, and I'm sure I'm going to make all the mistakes and find out later I should have said whatever. You know, I just.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you're also teaching her about collaboration because yeah. So as a community in a way you're doing this individually, but it's really about collaboration because you learn from what everybody else is posting. So what do you think is, has been surprising in doing a creative sprint?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, like I said, it's surprising that, that I'm still getting things from it every time I do it, which is a shock, you know? And I think for a lot of people, there's is that surprise of just that, like it works. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got plenty of people saying this isn't for me. I can't do it. And when they finally dive in, they're like, Oh, and you know, when I do corporate, uh, training stuff, a lot of times I've got a room full of people who don't want to do it. Like they're really not, they're only there because they have to be there. And it's great to watch people change, but they only change, they can enjoy a talk and a, you know, a lecture that I give, but they only change when they do embody something themselves when they physically do it. And then they have their own aha moment about it. And I think that's really important to be like, you really don't know what you're going to get. I, I, there's at least twice or three times this this month that I've said I had no idea I would end up here, that I would end up making this thing. But I like what I made it, and, and now I'm thinking about how would I do this again. I, you know, yesterday I did this thing where I painted a paper bag, put it on my daughter's head. I was like I loved what happened. And I was and I was sitting there going, I love painting, and I never paint. And now I'm thinking, hmm. how can I bring that into my projects again? Because I do love that. And so right, that's. A thing that's come out of that moment that who knows what it'll build up to but it's there now instead of just like well you know I'll never get to that again
0: well to me I think it will be uh, helpful to fail um, yeah. and not like crumble and fall away and nobody likes me ever again because I failed that um, because I produced something that wasn't perfect yeah. um, and I think that's a good that's a good lesson to teach yeah, your daughter.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, we really try to be like, there's no preciousness with this stuff. I can walk away from it. You can walk away from it. And, and that was a lesson I got with Skull Day that, that I apply here too, which is that, like, there's always tomorrow. Like, if I don't like today's, I'm going to make something else tomorrow. Right. And I can sit with it for a day. Like, it, and that's hard, but it's, it's what I learned a big thing I learned was trust the process, right? It's a thing we hear, but it's really true. Like, I know this works because I've done it enough. And if you can do it enough to see that it works, even when you feel uncomfortable, you'll still do it. Even when you don't trust that, like, that you're making good stuff, you'll still put it out there because that's part of the process and you know it works.
0: Right. I think that's one of the reasons that you are okay with some of those is because you've done it and you've seen how it changes. So one of the things you've talked to me about in in the past and in other books, you've actually talked about how your idea generation process actually kind of was transformed. We've talked about it a little bit already, how other people solve a different problem, but Sometimes you, it, you know, and I even think you talk about this in the book. I highlighted a bunch of play, play parts, um, just how you're getting through. Of course, I can't find it right now. Um, but how you're getting through the typical answers, the first 10, the first, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a pretty profound thing. So when I teach these workshops, I'll often have people do 30 iterations, 40 iterations, up to 100 iterations of something, you know, like some finding some solution. And I will survey the room afterwards. And I'll say, oh, every time I'll say, did you have your most innovative solution to this task on the first thing you tried and no one ever raises their hand or if they do, they're a smart aleck and I usually can explain why they're not right about that (laughs) because usually the answer is I liked it because I did the, it was the most time I spent and it was the most refined completed looking thing that was the most satisfying to me on an aesthetic level. But when I said, but is it a new solution? No, absolutely not. So nobody says, I got my most innovative solution. So then I say, well, you know, let's let's do zero to whatever that number is. Let's say zero to 100. So did you get it at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 9, Almost always, the, the most hands go up around midpoint to 60 you know, 60%. So whatever that number is, think about how many that is. I mean, even when we do 30 iterations, you're still at like 15 to 20 before people made something truly, unique that was a good solution that was different and that's what we're trying to do all the time with our work right as as, as commercial artists like we're trying to have the solution nobody else had and you can't get it when you do i'm going to give the client three solutions and they're the first three i had in my head now you don't always have time to do 15 to 20 but that's what this is for right for me this is 30 i've just done 30 solutions this month that now i can go back to and when i have a client problem i can say how about this and this and those are two great ideas because they were past the, the halfway mark already, our right. 365 mark, where I've like done all of those. So I all I did was build up my toolbox of solutions so that when I do have to do it on the spot and in a rush, I'm not sitting there going, what's a brilliant idea? And then you've got the obvious solution that everyone's going to come up with, which is really what the first five are. you know Everyone's going to have that same idea. It's, it's an obvious thing.
0: Right. So Kent says, this is like asking students for thumbnails how do you encourage your participants to do this without weeping and gnashing of teeth?
1: Wow. Why are people <laughs> weeping and gnashing of teeth? I don't know. Cause I, I mean, it, it is so ingrained to my process as, a, as an artist, as a designer, I always do thumbnails, but I'll tell you this, I don't make them good and I don't show anybody them. And, and like, I've gotten actually to the point where there's some clients who I can show the worst pencil or pen sketch you've ever seen and they'll go with it cause it just gets the idea across. But that's a trust thing that you develop. But before that point, I mean, in my notebooks, I am I'm always just a little digress a little bit, but I think I was talking to Mina about this about looking at people's beautiful moleskins and how every page is just the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. And that's terrible because it sets up the wrong mindset of like um what what that process is. I'm not saying you can't have finished pages that you do but like to to show that as if that's your just your i'm just great everything i draw is perfectly <laughs> drawn i i mean my i make the worst sketches i think i mean i'm gonna show you this isn't even like this is just a little diagrammatic thing i was working on like look at those terrible little correct scriggly scraggly lines like th- it's not meant for anybody but me and it's just so that i can get an idea out and i know that when you draw with your hands uh there's a different thing than thinking in your mind or even working on the computer. And so trusting again, the process that like, if I sketch in my notebook, just a little scribble, scrabble lines, I'm going to get to a different idea and that's going to give me something. So how do you, I mean, how do you help the students who don't want to do it? You force them to do it. I mean, this is the thing. I'm a big advocate of making things requirements because if you say it's optional, people don't do it. And the same thing with Creative Sprint. Obviously, we can't force you to do it. But whenever we try to work in a corporate environment, we're saying you have to do this because the griping will happen, but you'll still get through it and you'll still get the benefits and eventually you'll shut up and you'll start doing the thing, you know. And so right. there has to be some requirement. And so even if it's like you will show 10 sketches every day, it doesn't matter if they're good or 30 or 100 or whatever it is, it's going to happen.
0: Right. But and also- then eventually
1: you'll break through.
0: Yeah. But also in the beginning, it takes longer to get 10 or 15 or 30 sketches than it does in 30 days. You'll be faster coming up with these ideas because you've been in practice and it hasn't been, it is like going to the gym. You can't just be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go run 25 miles. Like, no, you're not. You're going to (laughs) pass out. Like you have to build up. So, but it's about being part of that. And so, um, Uh Mina, I do she's been doing a project a day, I'm pretty sure for uh I don't know if it's a whole year, but like they are these beautiful things. So Mina just got has the glory. She's amazing. She is. Um sorry, Mina,
1: we're just talking you up here.
0: (laughs) She does those. You're um on Instagram. I I think it's just Mina Khalili, right? M-E-E-N-A-K-H-A-L-I-L-I, I believe is what her handle is on Instagram. She can tell me in a second. But um, Daniel had a question. Oh, she said, yes, that is it. Um, Daniel had a question she, he, and he says, this is not germane to your topic, so feel free to disregard, but it's always good to kind of ask these. Um, I'm wanting to know how you secure and preserve the analog art you produce um, yeah. and, um, and that you have not shared via social media. Do you capture everything digitally and if so, store it on a particular kind of media? How would you recommend protecting original artwork?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that part of So, part of a lot of what I learned in Scala Day and again in these is that it's not about preciousness, which is the idea of preserving things. It's not to say that you can't, but I guess what I've learned, what I learned really well in Scala Day was to take better photographs. And if you can get better documentation, then it's less important to preserve the artifact. And then your artifacts don't have to be something preservable because I really like working with everyday materials and, and even materials that are ephemeral. And so, if I can capture those with a beautiful photograph that's enough, you know, decent resolution, that's with the art, and then I don't worry about the the physical stuff. I've saved everything I could from Scala Day. It's in boxes. It's in you know things. I don't pull it out very much though. And really, the digital images are the things I use the most. So then, really, I mean, to get technical, it's about redundancy, right? Which is don't trust any form of media. Don't trust the cloud. Don't trust backup drives. Don't trust anything. Have it in multiple places so that you know on uh, you know on the, on the on the day that one of those things goes down you're not, you know, stuck. So I've got stuff, some, you know, some old stuff's on DVDs. New stuff is on like multiple drives, drives that are backing up. I'm putting things onto cloud places, just in lots of places. And I'm, you know, you cross your fingers, but also like, It's funny too, where you get possessive about this work and then you move on. And like, there's so much stuff I have in storage for clients that I, you know, barring their needing to reprint something from 10 years ago. I don't know why I still have it. You know, it's like, Oh, this is important stuff when they, when they make the book about my career as a, as a designer, which, you know, nobody's asking for that. I guess I'll dig back in, but it, it is weird and i and again I, I've tried to really intentionally embrace that in my work so that's why when I do these large scale portrait installations or anamorphic, those are entirely affirm the only art is the is the documentation of it and it was a great relief to let go of that preciousness to really be like it's what it is you know and and if there's enough copies of a decent photograph, then I'm fine but that that but that's very specifically
0: my practice Well, and so like with the creative sprint are you? Throwing away these things that you make, or are you collecting them physically?
1: Um, yeah, most of it, I mean, just looking back through my feed here, I can pull that up again if it's interesting for people to see. Yeah. Um, where is that, Okay, oh, here it is. So like looking through, let's see, share screen. So this is this and this feed includes some other stuff, but you know, looking like that piece, my daughter's coloring on it right now. That's on the back porch, probably rotting. that was put into a recycling bin, but might be pulled out. That's recycled that dried up. So there's nothing, you know, these are, this is, this wasn't glued down that washed away. That's gone. That's gone. That's gone. That's gone. (laughs) I ate that. Uh, (laughs) That was thrown away. That was, you know, that was eaten, Uh, you know? So I mean, really, I mean, so that painting uh, actually doesn't even exist anymore because my daughter painted over it. Um, yeah so i mean that's really like the reality of of that work is that i just it's not it doesn't matter
0: right so <laughs> so daniel and it's had, and
1: intentionally designed not to matter for me
0: right so daniel had another question how would you describe he's a great uh question asker um how would you describe the stages of creativity a person experiences through, during a creative sprint, like stages of grief. And actually this goes with, Mina has a student who's actually committed to doing a 365 yeah. project and he his exuberance is starting to wane, she says, because of the time commitment. Do you have any advice?
1: Yeah, no, it's a tough one. So here's the thing, I really want everybody to do a 365 project because they're amazing, but they're really hard, it really is a marathon. And if you think about like, uh, so talk about this sort of experience, right? Marathon runners, and having. Having not run a marathon, this is based on me reading about it and people telling me about it, but that there's this wall that you hit, right? And that when you Mm -hmm. get past the wall, you can keep going. But also that it's like you don't run a marathon every day and you shouldn't, right? It's something you build up to and then you commit to and it's hard work. But here's the good news with a creative sprint or or a 365, it actually is fine if you stop. Like, first of all, give yourself permission to do what's healthy for you because you're going to get something out of it no matter how much you do. It's a disappointment. Absolutely. You can always pick it up again. You can change the rules. I know people who got very far and then had a baby and they're like, I can't do this now and came back to it later and then just kept the numbers going, right? Or you just do number 222 on the day you get it done and then the next time is another day and it's not every single day. Um, It's also, that's, Part of the lesson to the, that you get yourself, though, is that like you can't win every day. You can't be the best every day. And that you do have to let some days just be nothing or simple or something just to get through that day. And trust, again, the process that like keep doing it and opportunities will start coming. So what happened for me and for several people I know who really put a lot of effort in, uh, we put more and more effort in because we got more and more out of it. So I was putting 20 minutes a day initially with mine. And what I got back was, you know, some feedback that was positive and some opportunities. But then once I started getting some like paying gigs and some travel experience and book deals, then I was like, I want to spend more of my time doing this. And so I spent more and more of my workday. So I was averaging two to four hours a day up to, uh, uh, you know, 10, 12 hours for some of the longest ones. That's a lot of time, especially as a student or as a parent. You know, no, you can't expect somebody to do that unless they have the space for that. But it I, it was all based on what I was getting back. And so part of it was that I was putting out there and getting opportunities. And those opportunities give me the incentive to do more. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, part of it is trust the process. Part of it is make sure that you're making opportunities that then you can benefit from. Part of it is what's healthy and what's what do you need to get from it. And, you know, 30 days could be plenty, 100 days is good. I mean, any amount is good, really. Uh, and and I I met a guy who started one of the creative sprints and did one day and then he he didn't do any more and I was like he's like so I really feel bad and then the next thing he did was tell me a story about that day when he did it he connected with his son on this really you know lovely level because he asked him about this project and they worked together and he had this moment that I was like do you realize what you just told me like the value of that Mm -hmm. that came out of you doing a random activity you wouldn't have done otherwise is worth it it doesn't matter that you don't do anymore Mm -hmm. you know and so for me, what I always say is you need a certain amount of pressure to produce, but what's enough and what's too much and where's where's your comfort zone? So have enough that you're making, but not so much that you're sick or that you're you're not, you know, getting things done. The weird thing for me is that I didn't work myself sick on Skull a Day. I worked myself really hard, but I didn't actually, literally didn't get sick during that whole year, which is very rare, you know, never got sick because I, my body was like, this is what we're doing, I guess, you know, so... <laughs>
0: Right. But, um, one of the things with skull a day it, it, and that wall that you hit, and I think everybody hits that wall at a different place. It is about, so it feels like you're just doing the same thing, but that's part of the process. So it's, it's, you know, it's going to happen at the beginning. You got to know, Hey, I'm going to push through. Cause I felt like that with design recharge. Also, I, I had made a five-year commitment and one of my aunts was like, to who? I'm like, to me. I made <laughs> yeah. a commitment to me. Yeah. And I think that it's that's what you're doing. You're making a commitment to yourself to do this. And maybe you want to start with 30 days and then continue on. And that's what's great kind of about the book is that you could do a whole six months and then kind of, you know, take it yeah. off from Reassess, somewhere. Reassess. Yeah, right. yeah. But with a 365, you're, you've actually started. There's a community forming that's following you. And so I remember Scott Biersek, who I've had on the show. Um, he's You Bring Fire um, on Instagram. He did a 365 uh, about lettering, and he did that while he was like a sophomore in college. And he would do that, and he would spend hours on it, and he wouldn't do his classwork. And um, so, but he's he felt more uh, accountable. To the people who were waiting yeah. for him to post, because it does get to that level. I know you yeah. felt like that at the uh, oh, with yeah. the the three sixty five project, because there and you really in, have incorporated other people. I remember one time I found a skull in my not like a real skull, but it looked like a skull. <laughs> um, it was like on a dragonfly or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta send this to Noah. And a lot of people do that now. Yeah. And now you kind of. Promote other people's skulls that they find or that they've created or something. Which again, you've created community with everything you're doing. It's not just it starts out an interior project, and you get stuff for your business and creatively to solve problems. But then you also have always shared this. It's not like hey, hey, I'm keeping this in. You all these projects have a community aspect. I yeah,
1: think. and I and I think you you can. I mean, obviously not everyone has the same level of success. I also really think it's important to say that like the more you put in, the more you get back, you know, you can put in very little in and get, you'll still get more than you put in, but it, it, it's, you know, definitely related to that. Uh, but like Jessica Hish did her, her daily drop cap and mm-hmm. she has a career doing that, you know, and she just did all these book covers. And it's because she practiced what she did and she showed people what she was capable of. Um, I, there's a friend of mine who goes by the name freehand profit. I always bring him up because he, he's just one of those people, he went to art school. He wasn't really practicing a lot of the stuff he had done once he was in the world. He was sort of trying things out. But he did a daily mask project and in the course of the project, discovered a technique of cutting up shoes to make masks, these so gas masks. And now he has a career making those. And he just had like Adidas in New York had his work like on display. And he is commissioned. Wow. He's so busy. He can, you know, the ta- commissions are way far out now. And he's super successful. I mean, as an artist, and you know, super successful can mean whatever it means to you. But like in terms of like making art, he wants to make, spending his time doing things he loves, and it came out of the process of doing a daily project. And it was one of the things he experimented with way into the project. And it even started with first he worked on a handbag and then it was a shoe, but he'd been doing illustrations and everything else under the sun in the course of it. And so that's really, you know, where the, like, again, where it comes from is that like, that's just a way to develop a practice and develop an audience. He's a giant following on on um, Instagram, and you know he's fairly consistent with what he does. But that audience, he found the thing he loved. He found an audience, and like you're saying, you're building audience by sharing this and developing this this concept, and, and then that leads to opportunities.
0: He's freehand profit.
1: Freehand profit. I'm gonna spell it right though. It's a uh, freehand. I just want to say it's the profit, not oh, profit. like a
0: like a profit. Oh, oh, yeah. profit. Okay. Like anyway, money. our English is so <laughs> P-R-O-F-I-T. <laughs> no. yeah.
1: There you go. Freehand profit. He has 138,000 followers on Instagram right wow. now.
0: Wow. Well, and I, I, I do think it's a lot about thinking and it's not necessarily, it's about making, pushing your mind to think in new ways. So if conceptualization is a hard thing, this, or maybe you're just stuck with using one tool, that could be something that you do as well. So it can solve a lot of problems for a lot of people. So, kind of going back to Mina's student as well as Daniel, um, the different emotions, right? So, I think you're excited in the beginning, and then maybe there's the grief and the anxiety of, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to finish this. Yeah. Um, what other emotions? And then I have another question that's related to that.
1: Well so even when I when I talk to people about this arc of like when you're getting innovations like what I see usually so if I do a run of a workshop and they do maybe 40 minutes of work right it's a relatively short amount of time but they're doing a lot the arc is like you know slow getting excited oh my gosh we're really this is so cool and then like oh i've got nothing and then like oh wait there's something else oh that was really cool it no 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 and no, no no and so it's it is it's an up and down thing that starts from here goes up and down and then you know you can really bottom out at the end you can be like ah oh, i have just burned out the time's over But what I always say is when I look at my skull a day year specifically, um, but you can look at the greater spin as well, they're up and down, but the aggregate is down here to up here Mm -hmm. by the end. And that's huge. And that came without, you know, so again, it's like the stock market, right? You look, you can't look at the daily, you have to look at the the overall. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's part of that experience. When I talk to people like, what did you feel? There's a lot of fear. There's anxiety, but there's excitement there. You know, I think for me and a lot of people I talked to actually interviewed said what happens after about 10 days is that they get excited to create in the morning, that's what they're thinking about first thing in the morning. And if that's what you're thinking about instead of like how miserable it is to go to school or work or whatever, that, that's a great thing, right? And if you can tap into that joy and, of excitement and mm-hmm. I, what I would do is I would often st- say, so I collected ideas that people gave me and I had a huge list and I would basically go, uh, all right, today I'll try this. But if I found something else I wanna do, I would just do it, right? I gave myself that freedom um, and reminded myself, right? I made the rules. Uh, And then, you know, what would happen is that I would have a better experience because I would just be looking around for opportunities and then doing what what was fun and enjoyable to do um, and getting other people involved. I'll say the other thing that really made it easier the second half of the year was that I was collaborating constantly and it really was a big lesson for me, right, was that I could still take credit for that year. But the best work I made was when I got other people involved. I told everybody I was working on it. I got access to my barbershop. I got access to the, the video store. I got access to this local sushi restaurant. I mean, anything, anybody I told was on board and giving me access and opportunities and materials. And that's the other thing, right? Is it is when I put it out there, social media, you're sharing it, but sharing it Further by sharing it to your friends your family making things around them having them get involved and opening up that process Also makes it easier because then they're contributing and they're making and it's not just me being like i got to make a precious beautiful thing every day That's Mm got to be great And it's man It's so hard to live up to that and you will fail and it's a big lesson and it's a lesson worth learning
0: So one of the other things is what do you think holds people back? So we talked a little bit about fear and anxiety, but what are some other elements that you have heard? either when you're doing workshops or through this, because this isn't the first time you've done the creative sprint. This was kind of a test in the beginning, mm-hmm. and now there's the book, and you've done these creative sprints. I think you do them – do you do them in – when do you do them? What's the other October. Ti- October, April that's October, what I was thinking. Yeah. So what other things hold people back from doing this?
1: So the the, the feedback we get is – first is I'm not good at it. Which is the wrong way to start right because no one's no one has to be good at anything to do it It's not about being a prodigy. Uh, I don't have time is a huge one, right? So it's about like you don't need a lot of time You can do it in a few minutes and you'll build up. Um, what else is a big one that we get? Um, I think, I think, and I think this is something I have to deal with, right, is that people come to me like, well, I see what you're making, and now I don't feel good about it, because look at how right. good you are, right, which is the comparison piece. On the one hand, I think the community can be very supportive. On the other hand, it can be daunting if you're seeing great work, and you're like, I'm not making great work. That's really hard, right, the comparison piece. Generally, though, I think what happens is is it's a supportive community and people like everything and people say nice things to each other. And even people who we saw this happen on the Facebook group last time we ran it, somebody wrote like, I just can't. I can't do it anymore. I'm just too busy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. And everyone was like, no, don't give up. You can do it. We love what you make it. And then all this sort of feedback made them really excited to continue. And then they became somebody who encouraged other people to continue. And so again, having that community was super important to to sort of see it. Um, Another one is I don't want to share it because you know, it's my secret, whatever. And again, it's like a thing that you have to just say, trust the process, get over it. It's worth it. The benefits are there. It's different than a secret project. Um, And I really advocate against (laughs) secret projects. I really, a lot of things, a lot of times when I go talk to schools, I'm like, if you've got a secret project, tell someone today, tomorrow, right away. Because it goes nowhere. You don't benefit from them. And what, frankly, you'll either find out someone's already done it and you don't have to bother doing it because it's already been done. Or you can find out that no one has, but there's lots of people excited who want to help you do it. And you'll manifest it quicker than if you're just like, I'll complete this first.
0: It sort of feels like you're doing something illegal if it's that secret and you yeah. can't share it. You yeah, know? but it's
1: not. But you know, what I mean, even like if you thought if if I had spent a year in my studio making skull a day and then I brought it out to the world and said ta da, I'd have one shot. And if that day sh- came out, something else happened in the world, and no one saw my post. Done, right or if I send it to a gallery I said would you share this work? They'd be like, yeah, no, that's weird Instead the galleries were asking me if I could they could show my work because they'd seen I developed an audience already You know, so right. the, the benefit was all in in that other piece. So again, you know uh, Another thing that happened when I was teaching it at a, at a school here. We brought it to the school um, people were it was optional to partici- participate so a bunch did, a bunch got a great experience, and then several didn't, and we ran it a second time. So between the first and second time, I came in and I talked to them about, what did you get out of this? And so there was a room that had mm. half the people going, I got so much, and half the people sort of silently looking askance because they hadn't done it. <laughs> and the, so the second time we ran it, some of those people who had been naysayers or not participating, not participating, joined in out of just guilt around seeing what mm-hmm. or you know or excitement around seeing what they had seen and became the biggest supporters and I came in the to so do a follow-up after the second one and I had somebody nearly jumping over their desk to like to talk to me about this amazing experience they had that they wouldn't have had because they they were didn't think it was valuable and didn't think it was good and and now they're now they're super excited and they're sharing it with other people
0: right well um Mina said "No, one was so influential to the students here at HIT, height, I don't, height. Um, They are really taking more risks and she capitalized that in their work now. Many of them have walked past this webinar and waved hello to you. (laughs) So I think (laughs) it's terrific. Um, All right, so how does, um, I, I really do think you just kind of hit the nail on the head with sharing the challenge on the way up because then people also feel like they're part of the process and that they can, whenever I have a student who doesn't take feedback, I don't know how I can help them if they're not going to have a teachable spirit. Not that we're like saying, Hey, try this, but it's that, Hey, just like you said, encouraging them to keep going on certain areas or certain aspects. I, the depresso, I thought that was so clever. Um, and you, I can't remember who that person is again, but, um, but it was the cross stitch person and, that was just, it was like, you have to make up a new emotion and then explain it. And I was like, I thought that was so, but a lot of theirs were really uh, clever. And as you look back, I'm sure they weren't all, but now it's definitely a follow for me because there was, to me, I saw a theme and I saw how they were limiting their uh, tools because they always did cross stitch. So it was like, Hey, that person and they're thinking. So I think when you, have all the tools in the world, you're going to limit how much maybe you're able to process your thinking, but it uh, like push your thought solving problem solving things maybe. But I think sometimes you need to explore different tools. And then some, so if you did one of these where you were exploring a different tool every day and you were doing the sprint, um, the thing, and then maybe the next month you did it and you were going to limit from one of the tools that you had used just because I think, the limitations do make things better with how it's the, you think about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, one of the lessons I'm always teaching and that's in the book too, is this idea of like, that, that limitations are good and that seems counterintuitive when I was certainly guilty of complaining about my clients like, oh, they don't give me enough time, they don't give me enough money, they don't give me enough freedom and that's why I'm not making good work. <laughs> And and then I couldn't say that after I did my creative sprint because I was like, or my scholar day project because I was like, well, I did great work and I had no time and no money and nothing, you know, no freedom. And so I was like, oh, right, that's the, so the problem isn't that. Um, and actually, when I have limitations, then I'm solving problems better because I now I have a reason to solve a problem. Right? It's it's actually the limitations that spark inspirations because we're like how do we get where we need to go when it's a blank page we all know our blank screen you're like I don't know what to do with this is how am I gonna where do I say what's the first perfect word to put on that blank page which is why the pages in our book aren't blank because there's something there even if you hate it even if you're like this is the worst prompt that anger can make you then (laughs) do something else right you go man I wish it said this and you're like then do that like again we do that to give you something to a wall to push against. Because if you have something to push against, then you have movement, right? It's it's a physical thing, it's it's physics, literally, it's 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 you know an action-reaction, right? Without that, there's nothing. You just go right through it. And so that's really important. That limitations piece is super important, which is why I impose my own limitations when I do the sprint. And every time I do a sprint, I try a different one. The last couple I've done with my daughter, because it's its own amazing set of limitations, but you know, every time I would be like, well, let me try it this way. How about portraiture? How about faces? How about, you know, Halloween? What does that mean? How would I solve it? And each time it was great because it was a game that I'm playing that then gave me 30 days to explore that.
0: Right. All right, so Brian Jan had a comment and then a question he said um he's currently doing his first 100 day project but he's always been interested in doing a 365 and he has your unstuck book in their office and they use it for their weekly creative meetings with his team he works at virginia tech also um anyway his question is what's your target audience for your workshop so who could have you out or who could come because I know you do it for people who aren't necessarily all creatives.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's literally the gamut. I've done it for folks working professionally in an ad marketing, you know, ad agency where it was the whole creative team. And you'd say, well, those guys are already creative, but they were desperate for this way of thinking differently because they run out of options in the office and everyone's, you know, there's this group thing, thing, think that thing that happens where you're just like, well, we can't do it that way because there's no outsider saying, well, how about this? And they're going, no, no, we've always done it this way. So there's that. I've worked with every type of business. I mean, I work with bankers. Uh, I work, you know, it's like the people that you just think there's your tax account. We're like, <laughs> what could be creative here? But they're great because they need this too. And they want to think differently about their work. Uh, art teachers I've taught um, students at every level from uh, elementary through university. Uh, so, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it's a coin to say it's for everybody, but it, it really is for everybody. And what we do when we teach this stuff is that we, we organize it around the needs of that, of that audience. And so frankly, we use some of our workshops as a diagnostic where we, because people tell us what their problems are, but we come in and we say, let's just run this workshop and see what happens. And a lot of times what happens is we go, oh, it's now very clear that your issue is collaboration, or it's very clear your issue is working with limited resources or whatever it is. And and then we can drill down and help folks. Um, but it, it's amazing how quickly you can just do something in a very short amount of time and have people like, light bulbs go off and say oh now that i've done this i i one of my favorite things was was doing a workshop in a corporate setting with executives from all different industries and and having people at the end say i didn't know what collaboration was until i did this this is somebody who's successful in their career and been doing it many years but had the misunderstanding of of the real what really what it really means to collaborate and what you really Mm -hmm. get out of it which is different than Splitting a job into parts and having everyone work on it or passing things along as you go that you know there's different ideas of like working with other people but real collaboration in a creative setting is is unique in that it it generates more ideas than you bring to the table and things that neither participant could say well that was in my head first it was it was nobody had that idea and then we just made a thing and it was amazing.
0: Right. Well, and some of the prompts are very, I'm going to share one. Um, this is, and she's here. I believe Melissa's here. Um, let's see if I can pull this one up. This is one that you sent me as a, one of the promos. <laughs> so um, she's in Raleigh. So, um, Melissa, just so you know, there's a ton of Raleigh people in here. So, Amy and Mara, you guys need to reach out to um, Melissa here. But I thought, so this was a junk drawer project. So, Um, I I don't really remember what the exact prompt is, but it said, um, you know, make something out of your something in your junk drawer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, crap, we froze, but we didn't. Okay, Um, But I loved that one. I thought that was kind of a interesting um, solution and it's also about how you photograph it you know um
1: and that is actually advice i end up giving a lot of people who really want to take it to another level is is work on your photography skills frankly like that's just the way we're communicating these days is through Mm -hmm. social media which means it's going to be a photograph or video and lighting makes a difference and shooting a good photograph with the right camera like and not the right camera but just meaning like you know making sure you've got a lot of resolution that you're not getting a capturing a little part of a big image but really you know zooming in that 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 stuff benefits you, and it's a skill worth having because you will – end up using that in your career. I mean, all the time I'm photographing. I think I gave you a photograph of my book that was like a three-quarter view that was a nice photo. I took that photo. (laughs) Like, you know, that wasn't provided by the publisher who just has the cover, right? I want that nice photo. So I have that ability. I've trained myself how to do that. And like in the course of doing Skull Day, I went from just shooting with like one type of camera to buying a nicer camera to working with bounce flash to now I have like in my studio, I have like proper studio lights and a proper, you know, uh, the the sort of device so that it's all connected. And I... I've learned how to shoot flat art and, you know, I get better results because of that. I can shoot at a higher resolution, you know, a, a finer grain because I can, you know, have things be brighter. And just that's something worth learning as a skill.
0: For sure. So you work with your sister on this project mm-hmm. and you talk about in the book that you've always worked with her, like as a kid, you guys did projects together things like that. But what are some, um, what are some of the things that you didn't know as because I think she was like, hey, let's do this. And you were like, oh, I'm good. I've done this, you know. So I think we talked about that already. But how was working with your sister?
1: Great. I mean, we get along really well and we always have. But I think what was really nice is that I had been doing this work. So what happened for me is that I did Day, and then I started doing books and I started doing talks and I got just asked to do them. So it was haphazard. I would give a talk here and there and conference and people would say, come in and I go, oh, okay, do it. And she was the one that came to me and said, there's a, there's a way to develop this as a business and do it in a structured way. So that was the first insight that I didn't have, right? Is that she's like, can I develop this business-wise? And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. And so I wouldn't have done that otherwise. And then she was the one who said, hey, you know, we've been, pitching 365 to people and we get a lot of pushback because it's huge and overwhelming and people want to give up and they don't want to start and Mm -hmm. and she says, hey can we develop this as 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 a product that's a little more palatable and accessible, mm-hmm. she pitches Creative Sprint. And I say, yeah, great. So, you know, she created this thing out of a thing I'd done, but I wouldn't have made it otherwise. Right. And what's great is we very much are the yin-yang, like, like everything that I hate doing, she's okay with doing. And, you know, <laughs> like she, she's happy to have me be most of the time be the, the the face and sort of out there and be the talking to people. And I'm happy to have her do technical stuff and to, to read the books with the theory that I'm like, I can't get my head around. And like, that's a great Version right because we're not competing and we're always supportive and in the end like we know that because we're, we're, we're Related to each other that like we both want each other to succeed like there's right. no backstabbing there because it's just about hey We, we both want to live off of this. So right. it's a great thing uh, You know I, I, who knows if it's for everybody, but I certainly recommend it um, I think at the very least having a partner work with you takes you to places. You wouldn't go otherwise
0: so I want to ask you what's next I know we're out of time so if you can let me know and I'm going to be putting up all the ways for people to follow you and then when you get done telling us what's next I'm gonna read off all the ways that people can follow you
1: sure Uh, what's next so let's see so the book just came out it's funny because people always like what's next I'm like isn't it enough for you people but uh, (laughs) but the reality is actually I have a ton of stuff lined up Um, but uh, the biggest thing is I have a, an exhibition that's going to be happening in September uh, around my other project, which is League of Space Pirates, and that's my long-form collaborative science fiction universe. Mina actually helped me on that project. Um, and it's one of these things where I, I love science fiction, as I mentioned before, and I've always wanted to sort of play with the, the sort of idea of how we create pop culture and how people engage in it, and I can use my design skills and my art skills. And, and what's great is I made a project where it's a playground, and I say anybody can participate right? You, you follow the rules of the universe, but you can add to it. And so what I did was I invited all these artists and designers to create more stuff in that universe. And so this, it's going to be a history of a corporation that doesn't exist. And we're going to present it entirely factually. So that's a big project that's just starting the wheels turning, but it'll be in, in September. And I'll share it all online, of course. So you're going to start seeing more of that.
0: Cool, and so people could always come back and call you to come in and do a workshop, whether it's a day or a couple hours within a day or something like that. Um, What are kind of the parameters? Do you do multiple day workshops or do you do, is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, what we like to do now is really talk to people holistically. It's important Mm -hmm. to say that like, you know, a workshop is fine, a talk is fine, but it doesn't give you lasting impact, which is why we created Creative Sprint. So what we really want to do is say, let us come in and help you create lasting impact by using creative sprint. But of course we can do a talk or a workshop and we work with as little as a couple hours to many days to to 30 days to a year. But what we want to do is have access to folks so that we can, I don't want to sell snake oil. I want to make sure people know that like there's something real here and it's not just us coming in being like dog and pony show, check it out. Isn't that fun? Noah's a, you know, interesting speaker and then go back to work. Cause I hate that. And I feel like that's the, that's the loss there, right? Is that you really have to be like, no, here's the, here, here's the value. It's the value comes in the practice and it, it is doable, but let us help you set that up. Let us help you. So we've been running creative sprints in the university settings um, frequently now, and that's been going really well.
0: Well, it's also the accountability. You're really, because you did the 365, you saw that community and there again, you don't want to just do a dog and pony show and be like, I'm out of here. So there's always that kind of, Hey, I want to make sure that you're growing and you're learning. Yeah. So I'm going to read the ways that people can get in touch with you. You can actually purchase the book from creativesprint.co. That's creativesprin dot C-O. And um, then you can see Noah's personal portfolio at noahscalin.com, N-O-A-H-S-C-A-L-I-N.com. And then the company that you and Micah have is a number, Oh uh, not that, a number. Another limited rebellion rebellion does have two L's for anybody who's a bad speller like me. And then you can follow on creatives at creative sprint on Instagram. You can also look at the hashtag creative sprint on, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then the hashtag, not the hashtag, the at sign on Twitter, a L R creates and then, or at Noah scalen on Instagram and Twitter. And then definitely again, the hashtag creative sprint, so definitely, guys, pick this up. Um, I don't get any money for saying that, right? She I just doesn't. think it's I'm a, not her. <laughs> I think it's a great tool, and it's um, you know, when I was talking to Noah the other day, I was like, I had read. Um, it said, you know, cover the page in pencil and then erase something. And I am such a quick, I mean, I'm not, I'm a really slow reader, but I read it really quick and I thought, Oh, I'm going to draw a whole bunch of pencils on this page. And so he's like, you should do that. Just do that. And if I want to erase part of that, I can. And I guess that's just, it's okay to do your own thing and to read it your own way. And yeah, there's not a right way. So Anyway, I think you, uh, Deborah already signed up. So I'm excited. And um, I'm excited that you guys all got to come out and hear Noah. And I hope you guys, the other books are great too. This is his third creative book, right?
1: Yeah. Third in this series. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Unstuck 365 and then the Creative Sprint, which I have all of them and they're all great. I definitely recommend, I think I've interviewed you about 365 and unstuck together because that was one of my first this so Noah was one of my first guests so I'm super excited to have him back so he was like in the first year you were my big guy and so (laughs) I'm so excited that you um came back on and talked to us about the new challenge so thank
1: you so much for having me I appreciate it And hi everybody thanks for for watching I appreciate it
0: so just so you guys know, we're actually doing two design recharges this week. We have one on Friday that's continuing our series in sketchnoting. And so actually, this is a great um, thing kind of in the middle with when you're trying something new or if you're thinking about doing sketchnoting to maybe do some of these things and solve it with type or solve it with something going to lectures or, or sketchnoting, whatever. It could be TED Talks that you give yourself as a sprint challenge I guess so it's Friday at regular time I thought it was earlier but it's not It's so it's 1 30 central and you can do the math either adding or subtracting um so regular and we will have Amaryllis Henderson and she's going to be talking about faces and how she draws faces she has a skill share a bunch of skill shares actually that are about watercolor but I was like this would be perfect and she just makes it so clear about expression, she covers race, she co- covers age and gender really easily in drawing face. And I think that that's kind of a stumbling block, block for a lot of people when they're doing um, sketch noting. So that'll be the next thing on Friday is part two of four, and then we'll have it for the next two weeks on that. And then I go to Italy and I'm not gonna see you people ever again. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be back after Italy, but um, th- th- that's what I'm doing. So. Anyway, um, oh, so Brian Yon saying, hey, check out his 100-day um, project. It's 100 days of Y-O-H-N faces. And so that's perfect for the thing on Friday. So, Noah, thank you so much. You guys follow Noah and check him out and sign up for the creative sprint. And then you'll get them again. If you've signed up now, you'll also get them again in October. It's the same list, right? But it'll be different yeah. sprint. Yep prompts. Yeah. So once you're signed up, you don't have to sign up every and the book, time. And
1: the book is entirely different than the the ones we do publicly.
0: Right. Um, so if you ever want to give me an email, you can always send me an email at diane at designrecharge.org or rechargingyou.com. So dot org. Anyway, have a great day and thank you so much for coming on.